Hey guys, it's me, Nancy Jane Smith. Welcome back to The Happy Approach, the show that pulls back the curtain on the need to succeed, hustle, and achieve at the price of our inner peace and relationships. In our last episode, we learned that it's really easy for our brains to get stuck in a rut. We're biologically conditioned to fall into patterns and then stay in them. And when the world around us reinforces what we think we've always known about ourselves, like, I'm the kind of person who exercises every day, or, oh, I'm not a creative person, or I'm the kind of person who will have kids someday. It can be really hard to stop all of that outside noise and actually listen to what we really want. Instead of following a script and staying in that rut, even though it doesn't feel right anymore. So today, we'll talk to an expert in creativity who had to reevaluate her whole life and career when everything fell apart, then relearn what she valued as she rebuilt her life from the ashes. But first, let me tell you about a belief I held about myself for a really long time, one that you may be pretty familiar with yourself. Well, if you have this procedure, you won't be able to have children. It's just too risky my gynecologist said with a sad look on her face. Oh, I replied, a little numb from the news. Okay, well, let me think about it, and I'll let you know. I totally understand. It's a big decision, my gynecologist said. I had just turned 35 and was in a new relationship with my now husband, Doug. Because our relationship was so new, we hadn't yet ventured into the do-you-want-to-have-kids territory. I was not one of those people who always dreamed of being a mother. It was something I thought I wanted, mostly because it was something I was supposed to want. But for the most part, I never gave it much thought. I had always been more focused on my career and enjoyed the freedom of not having kids, being able to travel and have adventures anytime I wanted. But in my mid-30s, when my gynecologist told me they were going to have to do a procedure that would prevent me from having kids, I was suddenly struck with an overwhelming loss. All of a sudden, knowing it wasn't an option made me want kids more. Culturally and biologically, the messaging around getting married and having children is strong. I was always told what a great mom I would be. I'm a natural-born caregiver. It is something I love to do. And yet, caregiving is also something that drains me. Plus, I love my life of freedom. Freedom to travel, eat out, and be spontaneous. That night, over dinner, I shared with Doug that this procedure would mean kids were off the table. I was nervous. I didn't think he wanted to have kids, but shutting the door completely is a different level altogether. As soon as the words came out of my mouth, so I can't have kids, Doug said, great, I don't want kids, and not having to worry about that right out of the gate is awesome. It's your body, but I'm 100% supportive of no kids. He was so sure, but I was less sure. I kept jumping back and forth between the two thoughts. You never longed for kids, but you would make a great mom. Kids would be all-consuming because you're such a good caregiver. You would be overwhelmed by caring for them. But to bring a tiny human into the world and help them grow, that would be amazing. Kids would dramatically change your life. But everyone wants kids. You should want kids. Doug doesn't want kids, and I think he's my life partner. 
But if you want kids, you should decide that now. Maybe Doug isn't the one. For something that I never really wanted, it was suddenly all I could think about. Part of the reason I was so confused came from the fact that I couldn't figure out if having kids was something I wanted or something I was supposed to want. I couldn't separate this belief I had about myself. You're a great caregiver. You would be a great mom from what I possibly, maybe, actually wanted. So when I talked to Melissa Dinwiddie recently about her path toward accepting her own creativity, even though her questions about herself were different than mine, a lot of what we talked about sounded pretty familiar. The path has been very long and windy. <laughs> I thought I was a non-creative person, quite honestly. That's Melissa Dinwiddie. She's the founder and CEO of Creative Sandbox Solutions, a creative consultancy. But before she founded her company, her life looked very different. I thought I wanted to be a writer and started making art to, arts and crafts to procrastinate and then discovered I loved this thing, calligraphy. She ended up turning her calligraphy hobby into a business. My main business was Jewish marriage contracts. Uh, it's called a ketubah, which is a, a traditional part of every Jewish wedding ceremony. For those of you not familiar, a ketubah is like a really elaborately beautiful prenuptial agreement. And it's a really important part of a traditional Jewish wedding ceremony. It's been a part of the Jewish wedding ceremony for over 2,000 years. And because in Judaism there's a precept that says that if there's an object that is required for ritual purposes, it's a really good thing for that object to be as beautiful as possible. Melissa was on track to make six figures with her business. But then... We all know what happened. 2008 happened. And the economy tanked. And for the first time, my business tanked as well. My business had just grown and grown and grown and grown. And I thought it would just continue to grow, not realizing that, no, actually, it doesn't always work that way. This disruption turned Melissa's life upside down. She desperately tried to drum up business, but to no avail. I threw money at the problem, and the only thing I succeeded in doing was getting myself deeply in debt. So now, cut to 2010, I'm deeply in debt, extremely stressed out. <laughs> the universe basically walloped me upside the head with a two by four, which is what the universe will do if you don't figure it out on your own, right? That's when she had a revelation. After so many years of being a so-called professional artist, making my living, such as it was, as a professional artist, I was actually living a highly non-creative life. And I was extremely, extremely unhappy. And I wanted to change that. I felt like I was in the gutter. And the beautiful thing about that is there, the only place to go is up. And it stripped the blinders off of my head. Melissa had been stuck in the groove of her ketubah business for so long that she didn't even realize how unhappy she was. But in this down and out moment, she realized that she had other options. She shook off her entrenched belief about what she could accomplish. When I retired my ketubah business, I had to let go of that identity. And suddenly here I was at the, in the gutter and I realized, that's a bunch of bull. That is not the only thing that's possible for me. So what do I want? 
Well, the thing that I knew that I wanted was to live a creative life. So she started a blog to help her figure out what she wanted from a new creative life. And that set the scene for her new business, a creative consultancy. And I just started writing and writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. It's sort of been an ongoing journey since then. But even now that she's shaken off this old belief about herself, Melissa's ideas about her creativity and how they relate to her work are still evolving. I think change is really hard. For many years, what I did was help people get creatively unstuck. Why? Because we teach what we need to learn. And that is the thing that I was passionate about and wanted to help people with because that is the thing that I needed the most help with myself. I solved that problem for myself back in 2010, 2011. And guess what? I had to keep solving that problem for myself over the years. It's very, very easy to get stuck. Okay, so here's the process. First, you have to get past inertia, which is a matter of just starting. It just often takes a while to uh, find your groove. Uh, uh, it's painful. Uh, uh, uh. But eventually, if you keep at it, often it doesn't take as long as you think it's going to, to find a groove. And once you find that groove, oh my God, it feels so good. And then you're grooving along. The problem is grooves are temporary. They're finite, but we keep going at them. We keep going along that groove because it feels so good and we want it to last. And the grooves are not designed to last, but we want them to last. So we keep going. And what happens when we keep going in a groove, it turns into a rut. And that's suddenly we find that we're stuck. And then we can't figure out how to get out because now we were in this nice groove, which felt all comfy and cool and was like stretching us just the right amount. And now we're in this 10 feet deep rut and we can't get out because the sides are like too, you know, high and smooth and like, ah. So that's one of the ways that we can get ourselves stuck. But Melissa says the important thing to do when you're stuck in that groove is to treat yourself with compassion until you find a way out. Because here's the thing, we're all gonna stumble. We're all gonna get derailed. We're all gonna find ourselves in a, in a rut, whatever. And it does nobody any good to beat ourselves up about it. We are gonna beat ourselves up about it. So guess what? We get to have self-compassion about that. Oh, it's okay, you beat yourself up about it. You know, you get to lo love yourself up <laughs> for the fact that, oh, well, you beat yourself up again. Just like Melissa said, it's so hard to shake off a belief about yourself, an identity that seems built into the fabric of who you are. I was having the same problem, deciding if I really did want to have kids or if I could let go of that part of my identity, if it was ever really a part of my identity at all. Where we last left off, I was mauling all of this over. And over the next few days, as I kept thinking all of the negatives, but you'd be such a good mom, but don't you like kids? We're soon overturned by the positives. Doug doesn't want kids. It has never really been a life goal for me. Kids would be all consuming and maybe I could find other outlets for my caring. 
getting pregnant and giving birth would be tricky and challenging with my health concerns. So I called my gynecologist and told her I was ready. We scheduled the appointment for the procedure and I hung up the phone and cried. It was so confusing to be sad about something I didn't even think I wanted. Out of the blue, I surprised myself by grabbing a piece of paper and pen, writing a letter to my child that I would never see. A little Doug and Nancy who would never be brought into this world. Tears streamed down my face as I wrote a letter to this human I would never meet. It was a strange feeling, grieving something that didn't exist, grieving my biology, grieving a healthy, well-thought-out choice. And then I took the letter and a lighter and I walked to the back corner of the yard. I took the trowel and dug a hole and then took the lighter and held it to the paper and burned it. I watched the words and paper turn to ash and I felt a surprising sense of closure. My normal pattern would be to tell myself I was overreacting, hammer myself for being silly. You didn't want kids anyway, why are you so sad? But this time, I just allowed the messy, unexplained feelings. I allowed the belief that I should have kids bump up against the reality that kids aren't the right choice for me. Giving myself permission to feel sad, disappointed, relieved, and hopeful was healing. It also allowed me to own the decision. I could have blamed it on Doug or my health, but in reality, it was Doug, my health, and my personal choice. It was all three. It has been almost 15 years since I decided not to have kids, and it was the right decision for me. I still wonder what our child would look like or be like. I still wonder what type of mom I would be or what my child would be doing right now. And when those thoughts come up, I acknowledge them and allow them. And inevitably, I come back to relief. I made the right choice. Expectations be damned. That's it for this week. In our next episode, we're going to talk about change and emotions. How allowing yourself to feel too many or too few emotions can make it difficult to sustain change in our lives. I'll speak to a psychologist, an expert on emotion, moral thinking, and self-conscious emotions to dive into why it can be so hard to make a change when emotions get involved. That's next time on The Happier Approach. The Happier Approach is produced by Nikki Stein and me, Nancy Jane Smith. Music provided by Pod5 and Epidemic Sound. For more episodes, to get in touch, or to learn more about Self-Loyalty School, you can visit nancyjanesmith.com. And if you like the show, leave us a review. It actually helps us out a lot. Special thanks to Melissa Dinwiddie for speaking with us today. The Happier Approach will be back with another episode in two weeks. Take care until then.